ETF market has taken a knock with inflows coming in at around $80 billion. That was way below 2021's record highs. And joining me now as we wrap up the year that was for ETFs is Core Shares' Chris Rule. Thank you so much for your time, Chris. Quite a different picture from what we saw in 2021, record highs. And then you're coming in now with inflows of $80 billion. Just paint a picture for us of what that looked like in 2022. You know... 2022 was a year with a lot of uncertainty. We had the heightening conflict, Ukraine and Russia conflict. Mm. We had inflation concerns. We had central banks globally raising rates. And we saw a lot of investor you know, uh, caution and we saw a lot of uncertainty around the, the, the forward outlook in 2022. And I think in, in the main, that's why you've seen a, a, a more constrained or a more conservative ETF inflows. I think it's worth noting that those inflows are still positive, and if one considers that relative to the mutual fund market, the, the trend of shifting allocations into sort of low-cost uh, beta alternatives is, yeah. is still firmly in place. Um, but, but I think it is reflective of the investor sentiment and the global economic uncertainty that existed last year. Yeah, so it wasn't in isolation. So what are the trends that you did see globally? I mean, which areas had the most absorption of the inflows that we're talking about? So the, the areas that won were kind of the boring areas in a sense. They were the core allocations. So in iShares, MSCI World had the largest uh, inflows. And, yeah. and, and in fact, four of the top five inflows were, were World or Acqui, which is all country world, including emerging markets. Mm -hmm. And so these kind of core equity building blocks were the, were the beneficiaries of, of last year's inflows. Some other interesting um, trends were short-term cash-like ETFs, where as interest rates were picking up, the, the near-term cash was looking more attractive. Yeah. And, and the commodity ETF saw a huge amount of trade go through, so north of $2 trillion in trade going through commodity ETFs, where tactically investors were looking to capitalize on what were very volatile commodities, soft commodities, mm -hmm. um, in particular also which were elevated by the you know, the risk of, of the Ukraine and Russian crisis that, yeah. was, that was unfolding. So would you say it was a value over growth story? Certainly last year, if one looks at performance, yeah. value or quality uh, yeah. or reasonably priced assets outperformed, significantly outperformed the growth tech sort of exposures. Okay. And one saw that in the, you know, all the major uh, headline indices where they had significant drawdowns which were led by those growth sectors, in particular uh. the tech sector, where the sell-ups were quite drastic in, in many instances. Yeah. So did the uh, investor interest translate into the best performing ETFs? Not, n not quite. Yeah. And, and that, that is typically the, um, the scenario. So if, if you look at the top 10 performing ETFs yes. globally, well, the best was, was a Turkish ETF, giving exposure to Turkish okay. equities. So that, that's interesting. But it came off the back of a really poor Turkish economy and market yes. outlook in 2021. So, you know, really, um, you know, really low valuations. But if one looks at the balance, they were almost exclusively energy ETFs. So, okay. again, relating to the inflation, relating to the central bank, and importantly, some of the restrictions and trade restrictions around the Russian export of natural gas and oil uh. saw, saw those ETFs really rally. And on average, those ETFs were up about 60%. If one compares that relative to an MSCI World Global Equities Benchmark in dollars, which was down 18. So mm. drastic you know, uh, yeah. contrast in returns. 
Um, but but those certainly weren't the beneficiaries of most of the of yeah. the inflows last year. So so it didn't it didn't reflect in, yeah. in the numbers. Okay, and bringing it bring it back home on the local front, did those flows resemble the global trends then? In a sense, they did because if one looks at the the, the beneficiaries that. The, the ETFs that yeah. received the most flows last year, they mm -hmm. were a global core equity allocation, Signia Emerging Markets allocation, um, a, a local bond allocation, which is kind of a core traditional holding in an ETF, mm. which was a core shares Gavi bond ETF, and, and the Satrix S&P 500. So these are kind of your traditional core allocations, equities and bonds, which were the beneficiaries of the flows. And again, I think that's less about the tactical shift and more about this ongoing trend of the shift out of active mandates and into low-cost, transparent, you know, yeah. index tracking mandates. All right. Well, we've spoken about 2022, but uh, we also have to look forward to 2023. So looking at, uh, you know, coming off the back of the volatility from 2022 and also the changes that we have seen now as we start off 2023, for example, uh, some of the big themes now, the reopening of China uh, with the expectation that the central banks will start slowing down and uh, hopefully at some point uh, towards uh, or in the second half of this year, they'll maybe even start cutting rates. So how does one then position themselves in the ETF market for 2023? The, the, the first thing that we would always caution investors is, is not to look at last year's winners and bet on them necessarily. Okay. It's, it's, it's usually a, a, a mistake that investors make is to mm -hmm. bet on last year's winners. One needs to consider what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve and make sensible allocations, well-diversified asset allocation decisions uh, in order to... to uh, you know, achieve your financial goals as opposed to trying to predict mm. next year's return drivers. And as we saw from last year, it was extremely difficult to predict those at the end of 2021. Yeah. We, we would say rather prepare, understand that you need to be well diversified and well allocated in the right kind of asset classes. Yeah. So where, which kind of ETFs then would you be putting your money into at this point? So I think that trend of moving into these core building blocks, these mm. well diversified equity and bond building building blocks, it's, it's still absolutely something that investors should be looking to do and looking to do to hold in the as the vast majority of their portfolio in order to get that well diversified low cost exposure yes. and give them the highest probability, the highest chance of achieving their goals. I wouldn't be recommending that someone takes a massive bet on a sector, for example, okay. like we're talking about the energy sector performing so well. Yeah. One doesn't know which sector is going to perform well, uh, you know, in, in, in the near term. Yeah. So, and, and so to have that broad diversified exposure ah. makes a lot of sense. And, and I think in uncertain markets, that's certainly what we saw last year. And this year we've got some more certainty, yes. you're, you're correct. Looks like inflation's behind us. Yeah. Looks like the rate, you know, hiking cycle is slowing down and potentially uh, reversing. However, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in, in, yeah. in, in forward-looking predictions. And, and so to hold these core allocations makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time and just giving us some insight into what has happened in the ETF market in 2022 and what to look forward to in 2023. Uh, Chris Rule is the head of product and client solutions at CoreShares.